Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of the wonderful celebration of the Hardcore Listing podcast reaching a million downloads. The celebration is taking place here on the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, this is part two. If this is the first one you're listening to, go back and listen to part one. Um, the top five that we chose isn't, it isn't ranked. It's five m- m- moments. And part one had some amazing bits from Chris and from Stu. Uh, so you're going to want to go and and hear them, but here's part two where we get to obviously our top our top spot. But as I said it's not ranked, but it's our top five um, moments that changed our lives. I'm keeping the intros and outros brief because it's a two part over two hours. Oh, and also, sorry, before we get started, we discussed <laughs> we discussed ahead of time eliminating s- selecting um, partners or any kind of relationship type thing in this top five, because it's just, it's boring and it's obvious. Stu's married, you know, there's all sorts of moving and emotional moments in, in current relationships, in previous relationships, good or bad, but we decided that's not that interesting. So we, we took that off the table. So, you know, just so you know, that was a, that's why there's, it's not that we're all, tired miserable old men who've never had a girlfriend or never been moved uh romantically all right come on enjoy see you in a bit Right, here we are, part two. Um, we're continuing our top five, as ever. Or it's worth mentioning in this, that as they're not in ranked order of number five to number one, if you've just tuned into part two, go back and listen to part one, because you're not skipping ahead to get the best ones. There were some great ones in in part one. Um, have you guys found that at all? I find on Drunk Casts, the last episode always gets more listens than any other episode because they know that's when we're going to be the most wankered. Have you found oh, it on your top fives? Can disgusting. You, I, I bought it up with you, Pip, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I went, I've fucking no idea why. Some of these people are listening to like the second episode and not the first. And I was just thinking, like, why would that happen? And then obviously you just said, do you think they're just probably more interested in what's number one? And I was yeah. like... <laughs> Oh yeah, it's quite, it's quite obvious and, and, and logical. If if you've only got an hour and it's a two-hour episode, you're not going to go. I'll listen to the shitter ones and then I'll, I'll skip the number one and number two. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to go straight there. But as I said, as these aren't in ranked order, it's worth catching all of it. Oh, it's worth mentioning as well. Then, and this should be off off mic. But when you guys put the video up cut out the bit where we weren't recording because me and Chris were talking about some stuff that can't go out publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so make yeah, a note yeah, of that yeah. r- rather than just uploading it. But that's added mystery for everyone <laughs> who's watching now. Going, and me. And me. Yes, I went for a wee. You, you just slagging oh, me right off. Yeah. <laughs> Naya, you mind. Naya, you mind, my right. friend. Shall we uh, uh, switch around the order a bit? I'm going to let Chris go first now of his number three. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's your number three, three, Christopher? Three or two? Holy shit, I'm I'm lost here. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'll say, so some of the others, like 
taking LSD, complete control over that decision. Uh, I probably didn't have any control after what was happening, mm-hmm. or uh, a looser control. Jay, uh, our best friend, one of our best friends' deaths, Jamie. Yep. I think was is a is a life changing. Well, let's sling that in as my number three as well, because yeah, I had yeah. that. I I was yeah. holding it off because I thought it, it's probably on your list. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think for positive and negative, the thing that came to mind for me was your motivation to start a, a Redshift and 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 push it yeah, properly was totally. partly in honor of Jamie so obviously yeah. there there's no positives of losing a friend but there are certainly you want to do and i think a lot of my career a lot of the motivation i definitely know i'd been m- making stencils and toying with stenciling for ages and it was jay passing that made me go right yeah. i'm going to actually start putting these on walls cuz i did one of jay and i was like right this is yeah it's a weird thing. It's, so cool. it's a yeah. it's a huge motivator, right? When you get a horrible realization of how fr- fragile life is. It's a very strange one because it is a motivator, but it's. It, I think it can be a motivator. Mm-hmm. Is a better way to frame that yeah. because it can it's be the how opposite. How people as well. learn to deal with yeah. grief and how people learn to deal with that. And talking about what I was saying about the the different fears of influence and, and control. I've come to learn, like most people do when they grieve over losing someone, that you start looking. And unfortunately, we've lost someone else uh, recently to suicide who, who who we actually went to college with, um, Pip. You didn't know him too well. No. but And you you can't start... You have to, you start interrogating where you went wrong in that relationship. Massively, and, yeah. And, and, and thinking yourself. And then you start to learn, you know, if you're, if you're lucky, you can seek support or you know and and realize that that wasn't really within your control you can argue sometimes you might have some influence over people but that's not that's not on you no and it's you know being able to learn the parts in life that you do have control over and and what don't is a massive key thing to um your own happiness and success yeah and when you focus on the things that are actually within your remit and influence and being able to t- affect positive change, like you say there, Pip, that's a positive thing that can come from it. And and learn and why? Why should you draw? Why is it's it's not self-serving to be drawn towards the destructive side of what that can do to you? Yeah, you know, completely. And that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't grieve. You always will. It doesn't mean to say you'll ever get over it. You you won't really. I don't think it, it, to to an extent. There's certain things you might never get over. Get over. Uh, in terms of a traumatic event, yeah, but it's about how you adjust for it and and what you do with that event, the cause and effect, and you know what you get to choose what you do as a result yeah. of that. As as kind of a sidebar, I'd mentioned that the most recent um, episode of Adam Buxton's podcast with Joe Cornish on is an amazing deep dive into grief and friendship because Adam's mum passed away. And this is the first podcast since that had happened. Obviously, Joe is one of his oldest school friends, and it's fucking—it's a beautiful listen because they really they 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 discuss things so honestly and openly and delicately, and yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, I completely agree. I think it's also losing someone, as you said, Chris, realizing the things that are out of your control. Realize, like I had. Still to this day, I have one night that I regularly think about my behaviour with Jay on that night and what 
effect that could have had on his his mental state and things like that. And it can be cr- crippling for a, a really long time, but it's also yeah. you realise that everyone is having that thought and none of us could have changed anything. Again, yeah. the positive is, it. I think what we were talking about at the start of part one was that being aware of the limits uh, with our mates and when a joke is going too far, I think we got a fucking... F- horrible fast track on that with Jay because it was a mental health thing it was a choice on his part so we're all going to analyze things like that that as as you say you ultimately come to the realization that there's in general there's nothing anyone could have done you can't know these things you can't often you can't save someone if they don't want to be saved and stuff like that Mm. but yeah I think this has to be like sometimes I try to be honest with myself sometimes there are things that I could you know Maybe there was things that could have been done mm. when you post rationalise. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I had no idea of the severity of what Jamie was facing yeah. in such a short period of time. And then, therefore, you can learn to have the serenity to let go of that, you know. Yeah. And uh, there is, there's an, the, the other instance that, I, that competed with this was my father's death. I didn't want to make it too morose. Mm. But there was one thing, one decision I made with my dad that is wounded me so bad. And it, 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 luckily, because I'm, I can look at my brain and look at how we process things, I can help face the, the, the feelings with thinking and uh, coping, with a coping mechanism for it. But mm. on my mum's birthday, and dad was in hospital, this is nearly at the three-month mark, dad had started to get better. And he'd be more lucid and he was talking and he was saying rational things to me. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to get him out of here in about... Uh, and uh, I got to the hospital after work and mum was already there, right? She somehow got a cab down, which, by the way, is crazy. If you know my mum's own circumstances, she wasn't well herself. And I got there and dad had just absolutely, sadly to say, he'd gone into a vegetative state. And it was, you know, when you go to hospitals and you can hear someone, I don't know if you've ever had this, but you can go to certain worlds and you can hear someone very audibly just making the same noise over and over again. You think, what the fuck is going on in there? My dad had unfortunately become that. And I got there Mm. and my dad was rocking and just making uh, mumbling noises, basically. And you could tell that he was absolutely gone. And I'd spoke to the doctors and and they'd explained the situation. And my poor mum was sat there. And in my hand was a present I'd bought from my dad for my mum because it was her birthday. It was actually her birthday. And in that second, I saw how it was destroying my mum and I took my mum home straight away because mm. I thought it's not. this is not constructive for anyone. Yeah. And I didn't go back to my dad that night and that kills me that mm. I made sure that my mum was all right before returning to my dad the next day. And, and he was stable. He was in a coma at that point. And the fault, that I made a split-second decision to do those things and didn't re-second-guess myself to go go back and sit spend some time with him, it's such a wound for me. And that, to me, is a life-changing moment because yeah. I have to process all that, that there's guilt there. But to be able to understand and accept that, yeah, I could have influenced that maybe, but there's circumstances there that were still beyond my control and I couldn't foresee what it would be like in within the next 12 hours and stuff like that. It's a it's a crazy old thing, though. That when, when you're talking it's, about morbidity and death, and 
it's yeah. it's it's the hindsight and 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 post analysis and and, and post uh, rationalization, yeah. which is is tough because on hearing that through without knowing everything else, you go, well, yeah, everyone would make that choice. It's it's your mum's birthday. It's not you know there, there's n- 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 nothing that you can actually do in that moment from the looks of it, um, and you'd make that choice. But then you're gonna post rationalize things and and, and post analyze, mm. but also something that you you forget really quickly after extended traumatic periods is that they became the norm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'll remember these yeah. these flare up moments and think, oh, how could I have. Mm active like that and i'm referencing more back to when my nan was really ill and had gone a real down a really dark path and was quite mean and quite hurtful to the family and i know yeah. that there were points that my dad and my mum and family had to choose to go right we're going to ignore her today or we're going to uh, suck her off and then at some point down the line years of that kind of thing she passed away and i know there's then going to be when you're outside of it that analysis of oh how could we have ignored her in that moment or how could we have done that but it wasn't a moment it was the norm it was this extended period where we remember moments and we don't remember the 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 yeah the overall all period which is that's really helpful you saying that mate Mm. because even though i say i'm aware of it it's still a wound in me at the moment and you and i've not actually thought about that like that three months was insane yeah yeah and that was one moment in other points where other crazy shit had been happening and when i actually look at it like that and think what level of care i gave my dad at hospital i was going above and beyond what you know anyone was doing like and um in terms of you know I, I take him to the, you know, cleaning, toilet and all yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And, you know, no one else in the family was thinking it. And I just couldn't, I didn't want to just leave that to the carers. Mm. Um, so actually it's nice that it's it's interesting to hear that because you're right. It is like you, I made a choice then. Yeah. But that's within the three month period yeah. of trying to make right decisions. It's a massive you know? problem. And certainly not knowing that he was going to drop in, like become that way yeah. a day before I think he was getting better and then drop into a coma he's like I wouldn't have known that and it's the same thing it's like that is outside of my control yeah. I can have some influence yeah. when I'm there but yeah so life life changing moments death yeah. and uh, cheery 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 it's a great one well I mean as that was my number three as well not not Chris's nice. dad passing I mean you fucking arsehole but, but Jay <laughs> <laughs> he liked you <laughs> but um Stu uh, what's your number three? Um, it's it's quite a, a sad one as well. Um, it's uh, it's September nineteen ninety six, and uh, it was uh, it was just a, a, a it was a month where um, I f- sort of first had my heart broke, right, and my band split up, uh, and 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 the person that was always the the one person that didn't say get a career and. Anything like that was always, you know, do what makes you happy was me nan. And she died in September 96 as well. So, like, I just had a kind of triple whammy of yeah. uh, of things that I'd never dealt with. You know, I'd never dealt with grief. You know, I'd never lost anyone, let alone, you know, one of the most important people in my life. I'd never had my heart broke because mm. uh, I never thought I'd, you know, I, I'd never really been in love before. Uh, and then that happened. And... And yeah, and then the other thing that 
you know, was my absolute focus was my band. Yeah. And that stopped. And so, yeah, I just uh, come out of that month just thinking, fucking hell, right, where do I go from here? Uh, and uh, uh, That was your 2020. <laughs> it was just it was just life changing thing after life changing thing again how's how's this going to end but yeah now that's that's and, horrible and it's mad when you're having those things that on their own would be bad but maybe you'd be able to to get through or maybe people would go ah oh, it's only your band splitting up it's not that big mm. do, 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 i mean people might dismiss it or you might feel uncomfortable revealing how much are you're struggling but to have all of them Bang, bang, bang. Here's another one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I remember, like, um, yeah, just trying to kind of think, right, what am I going to do now? And and just trying to... And and it sounds grim, but using all of that positively and and being creative Mm. with it and just going, right, well, I'm going to start another band and then I'm going to write about this and I'm going to write about... The loss I'm going to write about having my heart broke. I mean, every every musician that gets their heart broke then writes a record. You yeah, know, yeah, you got yeah. to write you got to write songs about having your heart broke. And yeah, and and I think I think it was life changing so far as I just learned a lot of life skills. I learned about dealing with heartbreak and grief and yeah. and starting again with a career. I guess you know, like what am I going to do now? I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a rock star. For, like, what am I going to do? For, you know, for for anyone who is watching the videos, the reason I smirked then was when you said, "You know what? I'm going to write about it." My instant thought was serious problem songs. Do, <laughs> uh, do you want to just let the people know a few of the, the song of titles? Song titles. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, take that, our cunts. Uh, I mean, I was probably really angry about them in '96 as well, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 yeah, wank mag. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I actually thought, you know what? I'm going to turn this break up. You know what? I'm going to turn this into art. I'm going to write about it. <laughs> and one month later, I, 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 I emerged from the studio, and wank mag was written. <laughs> Taking a lot of LSD. Then. But yeah, no, I'm um, assuming it wasn't that. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was actually. It was. The, it was the the, the track that got us a record deal and it was a track called september right and, wow uh, that was written about that 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 was the, the track that got us amazing got us on the radio and and yeah and got the next band going so oh, man. yeah so just kind of learning to just channel a negative into a positive yeah i love that well here's to your nan mate and and, and i'm being serious now because yeah. there have been episodes where i just cracked up you had to leave the room didn't you yeah. i had to leave the room because i couldn't stop <laughs> laughing <laughs> Oh dear! It was so weird, wasn't it? Yeah, got a bit. I think we got a bit carried away. Ben Berlin's got a lot to answer for because he brought that bottle of rum round, didn't he? And I just—I love the fact straight away ain't your fault. (laughs) That wasn't in my control. (laughs) My sensitive cunt. Death affects us all (laughs) in different ways. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's laughter. Sometimes it's not. So, but it is one thing. Just before we move on, like grief and and, um, gallows humour and stuff like that. Mm. Mine's awful. I really have to be careful with it because, like, it's even when people te- like I've heard some really tragic events, and I can find myself wanting to laugh. Yeah, and it's like it is in by no means indicative of the fact that I don't feel for that person. Again, it's 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 finding the balance and place. Again, there's another yeah. one that's played on my mind in the years since. Is I remember 
me, you and Mark meeting up after your dad had passed. And at some point in the evening, I made a joke about it. Because it was that thing of, right, this is probably, I don't know, this probably, is it yeah. gallows humour, yeah. a light in the mood? Sure. And we were quite light, you know, you were yeah. obviously going through a lot, yeah. but the point yeah. of us meeting up was to give you a break yeah. from just dealing with family stuff. Yeah. But I remember that, I said it, and we kind of laughed, but for the weeks after that, I was like, mm, kicking yourself. can't tell if that, I don't think that was the right time mm. to make that joke. I, well, it, it, so it, it was, yeah. because I can't remember it, and I can't even remember that meeting, because when you're going through that, yeah. it's a blur, yeah. right? But it, there was nothing nothing that was ever, ever said. Mm. Like, between, between say, our, our group, there's really not something that you can say in private that really would super upset me now yeah. because I know where it's coming from yeah, and it, yeah. if at worst it's poorly timed yeah. but I don't even recall that yeah, at all mate yeah. so um, yeah my therapist says this I'm, I've buried something and they're trying to figure out what it is yeah. so, uh, well maybe Pip's joke was just shit yeah yeah there's there's a, there's also I mean that's not as, as realistic a, a chance no, but it's, it's possible as, he's fucking well funny it's mate. possible well funny, we're it? on to our number twos Chris <laughs> would you like to go <laughs> to your number two <laughs> Uh, so, so following on with um, following on from my dad is something he he did, and it, it's part of the reason which frustrates you. Uh, most people get frustrated with me by this, but it's just because you're not on my page on some of this. Is I, it, my dad got me to read Lateral Thinking when I was about eleven, which is a book by Edward de Bono, which I've been talking more and more about in terms of thinking recently, mm-hmm. and that changed me for good forever. It doesn't mean to say I'm an easy person to have a conversation with sometimes because sometimes I can't articulate why I'm trying to explore a conversation or an argument in the manner that I am. Mm-hmm. But lateral thinking and Edward de Bono taught me to think around the subject, I guess, um, and think of the possibilities. And sometimes I overuse that. And actually, in fact, me and Shu were talking about this on uh, Bad Habits of Mine. Is sometimes I can, have, I can generate too many ideas and I can spend too much time in that world that was when you said you was a genius wasn't it i think it was at the point in the podcast where i said i'm just too creative and uh too too much of a genius (laughs) i think you said (laughs) a genius too hard yeah and um (laughs) so it, it can also be frustrating because if Recently, with social media, let's take the Black Lives Matter thing, and you, you go on social media, and it's not just that. It's it's all the things that social media have opened up, and it helps us all communicate, and I think that's a good thing, and I think it's good that we all talk about it, and I think sometimes it's a painful process, and I think there's learning, but I think there's anger and all these things. But you see arguments happening, mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about what action they were going to take, and it was reminding me of things I'd learnt when I was very young about how to think around a subject in order to think of how we move forward as a solution. So a lot of people have said what they want to do in terms of... And I've seen you do a lot of great stuff on this, uh, Pip, uh, you know, on, on on your Instagram and your other things, and I, I really respect that. And for me, I was like, I need to go back to thinking. I want to be able to think clearly and mm. see how I can use my brain to actually better myself and other people around me. And... Never before do I think in this world we need clear thinking and mm. the ability to use our brains properly on all of these subjects because we've already got that. We've got the brain. We just need the tools sometimes. Yeah. So I picked up a book, uh, one, Teach Yourself to Think, is the book I'm reading at the moment. And really quickly it starts highlighting all the problems that I was seeing on social media is that the gang of three being Socrates, Plato and Aristotle – how they develop thinking and philosophy, we still use today. Mm. 
but it's so absence of things that are essential in thinking that we still don't use them. And a big part of their thinking it was argument, analysis, and, and judgment, and critical thinking. And so people so often are arguing on a subject, and people start putting themselves into different boxes. You're either this or you're either that. And it really limits our ability to move forward because sometimes people butt heads on the most important parts of their argument. But because they're in a certain sort of camp, they're scared to concede any other part. It becomes a competition rather it than does. A, a, I'm right and you're wrong. And it's like, well, no, it's that's exactly not... that. Yeah. It's about being right and it's mm. about ego. And we're all human and we all do it. Yeah. And the quicker you can uh, learn not to argue, but to think around the issues at hand is one example of, I think, how we will start creating possibilities to, to help resolve some of these things. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be debating it. And Pip, you, you said some fucking wicked things. Who was the woman that you sent me the video of? Um, Which one was that? Who talked about the rioting. And she postulated... What we also don't do is we don't use perspective enough yeah. in our arguments and look at things from different perspectives. And one of the arguments she said about people getting upset over rioting and... and um, uh, the black community stealing oh, yeah, in the yeah, riots, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't. And what she asked you there was, was it, it wasn't what's happening; it's why. Yeah, and that's so important, like to, to understand the fact that well, they saw that as their opportunity to get something they absolutely didn't have, that yeah. they'll never have. You start to realise again, there's so many different facets to conversation and perception and thinking. That's what we need to do, the, as opposed to just arguing our point. Completely agree. Because it and, doesn't get us very far. All of the different things that have been going on, alongside reading a book called Outrage, um, the subtitle is something like, Why is Everyone <laughs> Shouting and Nobody Talking? Um, and it's, yeah. it's about exactly that. In this period, I've never spent more time off of social media. And yeah. that's not to avoid it. Like, I, I did, on the Defund the Police episode, I did a kind of outro monologue part and part of that was saying that i've had tons of people ask me message me and that going you know are these times politically and everything else motivating you to write new music because i've written a lot of political stuff and the point was no it hasn't it's motivated me to talk to professors and doctors who are experts on the subjects to read up on stuff i'm ignorant on and where i'm probably overlooking things and where people have criticized a thought i've put forward read up on it and research on it rather than than act in a reactionary manner and not just live online over it all. Take, again, I think social media is great because memes and things like that can really succinctly put a message across. But, yeah. but if I find a meme that has hit me and struck me, I'll then make it my responsibility to go and research it and look into it more so I'm not just reiterating a meme that as soon as someone questions me further on it I'm like well it says what it says kind of you know you can have that history and yeah I think that makes a lot of sense that's a great one I think we're coming hopefully this is the sort of things we've got to learn about how we use the internet now and social media yeah having having a bit of a responsibility about this and we can do that we can do all these you'd really enjoy that outrage book Chris it's by it's by Ashley Dotty Charles, I had her on the podcast, but the book's yeah. great. And she interviews Rachel Dozel in there, and she interviews Katie Hopkins, um, and all sorts of people who have been kind of part of the outrage culture, or either v- 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 victims of, or purveyors of, beneficiaries of the outrage 
c- culture, and it's yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Stay tuned for Katie Hopkins for our what we would do for with a million pounds. Because <laughs> there's more on that. Uh, yeah, cool. So that's it. My dad, I'm forever thankful for him uh, getting me to read yeah, that. That's and, a wicked one. Up my brain. And I said it's 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 similar though, as you said. All most of the things that we've come up with here have their pros and their cons. It's finding <laughs> the level and the balance. A thing I've found sure. a lot is. It's all good in these... Black Lives Matter is a great example. It's all good to analyse things rationally, but you also have to concede that we're not being affected emotionally by it. So yeah. any any decisions like rioting that we could argue mm. this, this, this equally, we've all had points in our lives, as September 1996, you know, numerous other times where... We will. We won't have been able to react rationally, and it's probably because of something far smaller than watching our people and our community repeatedly murdered in front of us on camera and nothing happening. So it's that kind of thing as well. It's finding the balance. It's finding here's the solutions, but also understanding when people act in an emotional manner rather than a logical manner. Um, yeah, Stu. Completely. Would you like to go for your number two? Joining the Cub Scouts. <laughs> All right. Oh, Hello. Is this um, a dark one? No. <laughs> <laughs> cool. um, so, uh, basically, throughout the whole of school, I was an in-betweener. Like, I was never cool. Yeah. Um, no. And, uh, and, like, you uh, was an uh, in-betweener? And, uh, <laughs> um, but, um, but when I went to Cubs, I met people that didn't go to my school uh, and and I, and I met someone that basically had a huge huge impact on my life from the age of five to where am I now 47 uh, and and that was someone that basically didn't give a shit and had a mindset of like well we, we should do this it'd be fun and um, I was always the nervous kid that'd be like no no it's not cool though is it like all the cool kids and he's like no fuck them like we, we'll do this and yeah, and to to have someone like that, like in your life, like didn't go to my school, went to the same school as as, as you, Chris, which is actually a school for the bright kids, which uh, still pains me. People of genius heart. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and and to this day, you know, like we, we're still best mates, and yeah. he's still treading a path that is completely his own. He's never had to get what I guess people would call a more sort of conventional job. He's he's cut out a really good career in music and comedy and he, he, and he came on hardcore listing and did a real genius school top five didn't he yes yes he absolutely top <laughs> five um talking about big debate being a crass top five um records leads he'd, he'd wanked over in in, was, in the 80s in the yeah. 80s in the 80s yeah. obviously because yeah. we got the 90s coming up it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> continuing top uh, five and uh, and yeah and, and and just constantly just being um inspired by um someone that you know was never one of the cool kids that the cool kids now go to his gigs and and the cool kids now have bought his book and and stuff like that that. meeting a group of friends outside of your circle of friends when you start to feel you've got into your role in like at school when you start thinking oh here's who i am i'm below these people i might be above these people but there's nothing you can do about it. M- meeting a whole group of new people, 
it's why a lot of people talk about like when you go off to, to college it's your chance to 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 redefine yourself to redesign who you are as a person and that's ex- exactly that going there and going all right well i could be whoever i want here um, yeah. i'm not in that role that i've been placed it's my chance to yeah and then to meet someone there who's and again everyone i always remember my brother's mate john Itter, was that kid for me because he was again it was at scouts he met him at scouts i think and john always had like a, a a camo baseball cap on and in my memory he'd have like a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his arm and he was that kind of kid he'd always have a banger or something or something he's blowing up and just being that little kind of tear away type kid that you're like oh, who's this weird. and, and, and so, that, that feels so exactly weird. like it yeah, yeah, yeah. when when i got to college i saw this lad that had a really mad haircut and i was like wow and he had like a couple of weird piercings i'm thinking he looks really crazy and interesting and that was I want to be... his older brother yeah oh really <laughs> that was john johnny as <laughs> older brother oh wow that's amazing yeah. i love that yeah they i sound want to wicked. be his mate <laughs> they sound again. like the frog brothers out of lost boys yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, and them. again i guarantee they were n- n- nothing like that but in my memory of the 80s particularly as he was my brother's mate rather than my mate he was exactly the Frog Brothers in Lost Boys, or the or a, a River Phoenix in Stand by Me. It was that kind of feels like a slight tear away, but feels like he does what he wants when he wants. You know, yeah, exactly that. That's so weird that you've got an exact same thing with his older older brother. Like, yeah, yeah, the cool kid. So, so yeah, just, That's just a great I, one. I, 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 I guess yeah, just just finding a friendship group outside of what you know you you you. You, what you get at school and stuff like that and just finding finding someone that just didn't care and, yeah. and was just like no you ain't go you can do your own stuff and it's fun and yeah and, and that that always inspired and still does inspire me when I meet people you know like both of you that, that you know just do your thing yeah and like you know and yeah I, I, I like to be around people like I, that I'll be honest with you um Cunt is like, I, I bumped into him with my dad. This was towards the end of my dad's life. Stop, it's, stop it's, going it's on worth dad, quickly right? explaining um, that, that he, yeah. he goes under the name of Cunt and the Gang. Yeah. That's his music yeah. thing. For people who don't know him, and you keep just mentioning, yeah. oh, when I met Cunt, but yeah, yeah. that's, the, that's exactly it's with, it's with a K. Yeah, it's with a yeah, K. it's with a K, so not being rude here. Go on, um, Chris. And he has got a presence, that dude. But without, like, like, without any of the sort of like when you're just with him as a human being and even seeing him in Tesco's and me and my dad were shopping, I was having a bit of a mare that day and it's just such a lovely guy. And when you talk about your experiences um, growing up and your adventures, you can't, I can't help, but I, I could listen to them all mm. day long, you know? So and and no wonder it's, it's, it's had an impact on your life. Another mate. person who's it, been on your podcast, who's got that similar presence is, is Justin. It's oh, exactly man. the same. That it's just as soon as you meet him, there's just I want to hear more from this dickhead. Again, it's <laughs> why I, I, so, I like to be around people like that. I mean, never let it be said that he gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, said, a lot of people will know that he came on the drunk cast, and we have never released it because it was unreleasable. <laughs> so that's an illustration of who Justin is. But um, in person, an incredible, incredible, kind. Yeah. Justin has got a game like like cunt. Has got a, a really kind soul, like you, Stu, like you, Pip. You you genuinely have kind souls, and um, it's nice to be around that. And and it's nice to be. What Justin is is absolutely unconventional mm. and not and not ashamed of it. Yeah, 
Like when you're in a bar with him, sometimes it's awkward. And I've always said, I in equal parts hate him screeching at the top of his voice at a bar, and in, in equal parts have to hug him yeah. and join in with it because for, I love the awkwardness. For me, and I love how that puts people out of place and they're not sure what's happening. For me, I can't. Justin is like is like LSD. It's all about set and setting. And I, <laughs> I, I, I've only ever hung out of him, not in public places, in quite a controlled situation where we can all, all be... There's nothing too... It's not too dangerous. Yeah, I've never Take hung out Take him out in East London, I'll tell you what <laughs> yeah. that is. That's a, that's a nightmare. Um, um, can I jump in with my number two? Because this yes, is a meeting someone. Um, and it's a weird one because it's someone that neither of you guys know. And it's always weird having f- friends outside of your friends, but it's yeah. just how our locations go. But... Meeting my mate Kelly Marcel. Um, Uh. She's. I've stayed with her a load, so as a friendship, it's been big. But it's kind of part of the story of how we met that's important because she emailed me out the blue, and she's a scriptwriter. She emailed me out the blue about a script that that she wanted to maybe do um, and involve me in, and she said I'd love to meet up and have a chat. And my response was, "No, I'm busy." Because that's kind of my standard response to everything. Yeah. I'm really busy. As you know, I do. I am a bit of a workaholic, so I'm very much... No, I'm busy. But she followed up, and she said... And she obviously... And she says now, oh, I baited him. She said, well, I was thinking of having Tom Hardy in the lead and maybe getting Paddy Considine to direct, because they're both people that she knew and had worked with. So then, obviously, I go... Yeah, let's have a let's have a drink, let's have a coffee or something. Let's have a let's have a meet up and have a chat. And she mocks me for it because it's like it's so shallow of me that when I was like, no, just I don't care, go away. She drops those names. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. But we met up and had a chat, and we never got to do the project yet that she was talking about. But getting to know her then and becoming a good friend opened me up to the other side of film and TV. I've always been obsessed with film and TV, but seeing the other side of it was a chain effect catalyst for me, knowing that I have to do that with my life. That has to be my focus, whether it's writing or acting or whatever else. Um, and, yeah, it's it's it was a life changer. It then meant that when I was going out to LA for meetings, I'd stay with Kelly. Like when she found out that her and her partner were having a kid, I was one of the first people that... That she, she let know I was out with them lot when he proposed to her and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was a real. It opened me up to a whole area of friends and life that that wouldn't have happened otherwise. I, no. I, I like to think I would have still pursued this because it was Riz Ahmed and Nick Frost and all these who said to me for yeah. years to go into acting. But finding that side of it as a completely different circle of friends and different world, and having that as said that my usual default of... And you guys will know it. Half the time, if you invite me out to something, it'll be, nah, I'm busy. And that's fine, because we know each other and we know our limits, and you know that if I do want to, I will, and so on and so forth. But it was the fact that I said a, a, a straight no, a polite email, but I'm really busy. It was a musical. I was like, I've no real interest in musicals. And it was the fact that she went, no, f- fuck you, we're meeting up. And then, yeah, I said, I went on to be one of my best mates and biggest influences on on opening my eyes to the things I want to do with my life. And also, it's incredibly rare outside of relationships. Later in our lives, it becomes rarer and rarer that we make real 
close friends. We'll make yeah. more and more acquaintances, but more often mm. than not, our close friends are people that we've known a fair while. And yeah, that was one that in my m- mid thirties or whatever, as said, has turned out to be a real pal. So yeah, that's a. Well, it's, that's so exciting as well because you have that combination of it being a. You're part fascinated by the career, yeah, but then realizing actually also that this person is someone that you enjoy talking to. Hundred percent. You know, like just, just you know. I think as you get older as well, I'm always open for, for debate and chatting and stuff like that. But sometimes it's it's nice with your friends because you're already on chapter, yeah. you're on page three tr- trillion and one in terms of what you discuss, yeah, yeah, what yeah. you know about each other, what your views are, where you agree, disagree. And there's always new things to chat about. And it goes and back to that other thing we was talking about as well, that you know each other, so you can take the piss as well. And you yeah. know you're not going to offend them you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. and to discover that I remember I remember you starting first starting to talk about Kelly and that sounded I was excited for you yeah and that was that wasn't in terms and I'll be honest with you it sounded more for me it sounded exciting because of all the things she was associated with yeah 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 um, but to, for you to maintain that is is, is, is a lovely thing and that's what pleased me was that we yeah. didn't do anything professionally together yeah for ages and and we've done one thing recently which isn't announced yet but that was i messaged her this second i came off set just to say fuck that was so cool to see you in work mode i mean and it's, it's similar with hardy to work with hardy um having got to know him really well socially and privately again off the back of taboo more than anything but to then watch him transfer from pal mode to to, to yeah. artist mode, it it gives you that reference point that you don't normally have when you only get to see artist mode of someone or so on and so forth. Just just see that movement. And also, yeah. you get to see it. Uh, it's uh, you know what it's in the upper echelons of that business as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. So yeah, and again, I think because of meeting Kelly, I, I could have chosen. Becoming pals with Stevie Graham or Tom Hardy, like they're two of my closest yeah. mates now, and they're so influential and motivational, obviously because of of what they do, but also because of who they are as people. But Kelly feels like that was the catalyst for all of that. That was the starting point that made me go, "I'm going to stop doing music for a bit to focus on this." Rather than oh, at some point, if someone offers me a role, it's like, "No, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to." I'm going to, like, her story, like, I had her on the podcast, and her story was she was working in a video store and she wrote a script that she pushed hard and ended up, it got signed by Spielberg and and, and became this huge thing and launched her whole career. And it's like, well, that was hearing so much of what she did made me go, right, why am I kind of thinking, oh, that would be cool to do? Like, as we've heard with with my first dress, I didn't do that with music. I went, Mm. oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Whereas getting in the comfort zone of music had me sitting there for years thinking, oh, I wish someone had put me in a film or I wish someone had given me a chance or an opportunity. And yeah, that was kind of a no, let's let's fuck wishing off. Let's go and make it. Let's go and make it happen. But yeah, well, that's that's my number two. It's it's your number two next. Next. Right, Chris. No, I've done that is uh, my dad. Oh, so are we uh, on to our number ones? We're, we're on to number ones, mate. Number ones. And so this links to a lot of things we've already talked about, yep. uh, was going to college and making the decision. So it's it, making the decision to leave my school, 
mm-hmm. and go on to college. Was, I was quite scared about it, but also I was having a terrible time at school, really. I was miserable. I didn't really... The people I was close with, I'd sort of burnt the bridges with, and it was quite sad, really. And yet I'd had, I had a great relationship still with my friends from Basden that I always had from junior school and, and I was very lucky to grow up with. And But making that decision then opened... I think it... It completely, I mean, all decisions are sliding doors, aren't they? Mm. But going to college is a result, it, it, making that decision is why we're all friends, yep. for me. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be part of this conversation if um, if I didn't if I didn't do that. Career-wise, I would have done something absolutely completely different. And I think I would have found myself within the field, um, with probably within the banking field yeah. or within the field of science, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. And both... I get. I feel the science have probably been all right with, but there was a good chance it would have been banking or something like that. And I'm, um, again, I'm not here to criticise um, every single person within the banking sector. Absolutely not. It serves a, a, an important role, but I would have been a different person. And um, and I'm so glad that obviously all the stories of, of of meeting you guys and all the crazy hijinks that we got into. Mm. It's just been it's been so dope. You know, I, I remember all the times that we spoke. Hello, mum. Yes, lovely. Thank you. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, just me. The, the exciting times I had at college. There's yeah. no way I'd have had anything like that yeah. at my senior school. And it would have. It act all those other things that we. Many of those things we've talked about today. Um, taking LSD, our, our careers, what we've done. That's all stems from deciding to do that. It's a great and, one. Um, it's a great yeah. one because I, I agree. If we hadn't met then all of this wouldn't have happened. Equally, I'm going to uh, talk about it in, in the in the best ways to spend a million, but I met Tom at college. Tom yeah. shot my introduction video, and that, that yeah. literally... Like, I could have chosen n- numerous points in a music career that changed my life, but that wouldn't have happened. And the, the, the creative people that our circle of friends influenced and motivated so, so much in my life. And it's weird, because we... Got a lot. We became closer after college. I would have said because yeah. Yeah, yeah. the first year at least, Mark. Because I yeah. Because I went to school with Mark, who you went to primary school with. Um, so yeah, I met you in that first year through that. But then it was more in the second year, I think. When I guess when we all started experimenting with drugs and and fucking about, and that was probably post college, or or towards the end of the second year. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a great show. Um, yeah, I mean, you you give me mixtapes and stuff like that, yep. which then you did even more so at, at uni. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 man. It was it was it's all of that. We wouldn't know each other. I always and, remember uh, that, and I'm forever fucking grateful for that. I always but remember the first me, time meeting you and Simo, and me feeling <laughs> completely out of my depth because you were in the <laughs> the canteen bit rather than the, the blue room, and that wasn't where I. There was that division of the little indie kids or whatever or punks mm. or whoever else would be in the blue room and the less indie kids would be in the canteen or whatever. And I remember meeting... Oh, I love the fact you said less indie kids and not cooler kids. Brilliant. Well, it, it was more I was holding <laughs> off on saying tr- trendies or anything derogatory because <laughs> yeah, I went in trendies. there expecting that and Chris and S- Simo quite early on spoke about Green Day or something that I was like, oh... I wasn't expecting them to be into anything I was into. I expected them to be perfectly nice, but people I'm not really going to connect with other than we've got mutual friends. And I always remember that being, of all the people that were Mark's mates as such, that I met then, I'm 
I always remember Simo and Chris kind of standing up and going, oh, right, we're, we're more similar than we realise. The social <laughs> divides aren't quite what films make them out to be. Just need this big melting pot, exactly. don't we? That's what it's all about, hey? Stu, would you like to do your number one or would you like me to do my number one? Uh, yeah, I'll go. You can finish. Go on, yeah. go ahead. I, um, now, I'll say, I only threw that up because sometimes... Are you, are you, you guys end a hardcore listing with just a comedy final one that is then... <laughs> you, uh, you'll say it and then press stop. So I was just making sure <clears throat> in, in case that was the plan. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, well, I, I guess I'd have to say um, there was a... Yeah, I, it, it'd have to be finding out that um, I was going to have my first child. Mm. Oh, like, wow. uh, Without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, we was, we was trying for... Um, a, a baby and and I'll, it wasn't time, an accident then no no like um, oh, it was Carol said otherwise <laughs> um, <laughs> um but um but yeah and, and I've, i can remember that um it was it was about seven o'clock on a friday night and i was um getting ready to to go and open up the the, the club that i was i was running and uh and and yeah and i remember like uh carol just going off i've, I've I'm going to do a test, and I went, "All oh, right," and and then just seeing that test come up positive, oh, like was such a barrage of emotions, which you know, yeah, like I'm sure many of the listeners are going to know exactly what I'm saying. Like you, you just have that feeling of like super joy and fear, uh, but the 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 biggest thing that hit me was just the sense that of responsibility that mm. I'd never really had much of because I'd always spent ages fucking around in bands, you know, touring in little vans and stuff like that and DJing. And, and all of a sudden, I think the immediate thought was like, well, that's all going to stop. I'm going to have to go and get a job in an office. And, you know, which isn't the case, you know. and uh, but But, yeah, just that instant moment of just thinking right it's never going to be the same again now everything's going to change and and obviously things change but they change for the better and and yeah and it definitely taught me like you know as, uh, once you know once once she was born that um you know you can still do lots of the the career things that you want to do mm. you know before having children with children you know yeah. if you you know if you get the right kind of balance right you can still do everything you want to do do you know what i mean yeah. and uh but yeah just that that moment of seeing that and it was so weird because i i saw the test and i was like oh my god this is amazing and and then literally within about a minute there was like a uh, uh, outside and it was my mate paul like who worked at the club with me come to pick me up to take me to the, the club and i was like i gotta go to work <laughs> see you later <laughs> and like and Carol was like, don't tell anyone. I went, no, no, of course not. And uh, cause it was very early on. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I remember just getting in the car and he was like, oi, oi. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I mean, I think we've been driving for about 15 minutes. And he was like, you're right. Because I hadn't said anything. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And, like, and he was like, all oh, right. And I remember like walking into the club. And for some reason, we used to take alternate weeks driving. It was Thankfully, it was his turn of week. I just walked straight in the club. And just got a glass and just stuck about three whiskeys in it and just necked this massive whiskey. And he was like, what's going on, man? Have you had a row with your missus? I was like, 
nah, it's all right. No, everything's fine. It's a bit strange. And it was like, because you just want to go, fucking hell, guess what? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're going to have a baby. But, uh, but, but, but couldn't. But yeah, I just vividly remember just, yeah, just, just standing there in the front room looking at some piss on a stick and just thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this is, this is all going to change. Everything's going to just go crazy now. Going to have like, going to have a child. I love and, that. Uh, How was it yeah. getting back from work? Because again, that's a mad that's a mad time to be. Here's the news, and I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> so so to uh, have a to have to pause that whole thing for yeah. four or five hours, however long the club that was, and then continue it in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you both know my, my, my wife well. Um, I wouldn't wake her up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That ain't going to end well. <laughs> I'll be in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Did you get any sleep? No, God, no. Because, again, as if you're going like, to get in from the club buzzing anyway and know that yeah. as soon as she's awake, we've yeah. got a mad conversation that we've had yeah. five yeah. minutes of and yeah. we now need to have a, a lifetime of, essentially. Yeah, totally. It was like, oh, all right, we've got, we've got to buy a house. We've got to, like... And it was just like, you know, I've got to buy a car seat. And it was like all of these things I'd never considered. It was like, oh, shit, now I've got to do everything properly now. And and obviously, you know, it's uh, it's not new to... You know, a majority of the population that having children is is amazing and life changing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I just I just imagined that my instant response was, oh my! It was just that weight of responsibility that I'd never felt before. That I'm going to have something that is going to become, you know, my everything. You know, and my whole focus is going to be that, and everything else isn't going to matter anymore. And and obviously, that's not the reality. The reality is, you know, your child born, and you love your child, and you do the best you can for your child, but you still have to go to work and you still do, have to do... Do you think people... Sorry to interrupt there, Shu. Go on, carry on. No, that was it, no, that was it. Do you, do you think that's where the fight and flight with people who vacate their responsibilities as a parent, they sort of like, it's, it's so overwhelming and daunting. Yeah. That for some um, people, there's so many people that, you know, you see in the, the, the realms of, uh, I wouldn't say celebrity, there might be success, successful people who ended up having kids and that actually, fo- that actually focused, their, focused them. Because they're like, I've really got to fucking now this, man. Yeah. I've really got to do this. I've really got or, to deliver now. Or when I've got I had, to step up. Or when I had Simon Pegg on, he talked about exactly that, that it made him realise he's got to want it and it's got to be great because if he's going to be away from his child, because filming is that, you're away for these extended periods. It's like, no, it has to be great. It has to be something really worthwhile. And he, he cited that as a turning point in his career as well as his life because... If you look at what he was doing before his kids, it was a lot of smaller things. And then after that, it was only a pop-up every now and then for something huge. <laughs> but yeah, I love that shit. That's a great one, Stu. Nice shout, mate. Nice shout. Right, I'll finish up with my number one then. It's not as emotional. I feel... Well, I mean, we may be... Oh, I fucking... Need, I know where this is going. What? What is this going to end up with fucking... Well, is it, is, is it got something to do with what something dominoes? No, no. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not when I worked in pizza art or when I found the perfect uh, uh, toppings for, for me. Um, one of the names on the list of this as a catalyst is someone that we all know. Um, it's Mr. Uh, Mr. Eddie Temple Morris. Um, mm-hmm. And it's another one where I fought a massively positive change in my life. Um, Eddie hit me up when me and Dan were doing us had done our second album and hit me up about doing a radio show on XFM. He said, "I think yeah. you should do. I think you pres- you should present a show. Hip hop and spoken word. 
And I was like, nah, it's not really my thing. And he pushed and pushed and pushed. And he said, just come down and do a pilot with Dan Rido, who's a producer there, who's amazing. Um, and, and and Chris Bourne, who, who me and Stu have worked with on Pod Bible. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. And then we went and did the pilot and I loved it. And we did only like a year or a year and a half of something of doing the beat down, but it got respect and it went down well. And I don't think I'd be, I would have started the podcast. And again, the podcast, as Stu said earlier, with his number five of the catalyst of leading up to hardcore listing yeah. and distraction pieces and pod Bible, even it's a huge part of my life and mm. has been for a long time. And it's and an essential part for career but also just for my own own mental health for my own for like i think the podcasts have developed our relationships as mates because the drunk casts have been these things where our job is to go and have four or five hours together getting drunk have a really lovely time that's fucking wicked (laughs) so yeah eddie and dan rido essentially and chris bourne all pushing me to do the beat down and even a, award, award-winning beat, damn Pip. Award-winning. Award, award-winning. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Can you dick out don't you, don't overlook that, man. <laughs> no, that's fu- that is fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. It, I said it was it was it it was mad because it was so niche and specialist. The fact that it did get awards and stuff was was a big motivator and a big eye opener. To all right, I can do these things, and this can be something that is a big part of my life. And I said, yeah, though, even though the beatdown only ran for a year or so, so in the reality of a career, let alone the reality of a life, it's a drop in the water, but it was yeah. a real, yeah, a catalyst for so much that came after it. And, um, yeah. When when you started it, did, did you... Obviously, you was a performer then, but, you, you know, you didn't have a background in, in, in broadcasting. No. Did, did you have an element of imposter syndrome? 100%. I've had that in everything and continue to have that in everything. Uh, 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 one of the reasons, there's many reasons I've no interest in going back to music, but similar with the reason, one of the reasons I, I haven't gone back to, to, to any drugs is the feeling of, I got away with that. I managed to get in and get out and I didn't get, it, it all went fine. And, and the fear of drugs is that I'll go back and it'll go wrong. And similar with music, I'm really happy with everything I did, but I've talked before that after every album, I thought, I don't think I've got anything else. Like how how can this is like the man with, I've fluked two albums now. I don't think I can do any more. And that, that, that continues in everything. I have it massively in acting and in script writing and things like that. The acting job that I've just, I've just got that I, I won't, go into it it has been announced but i'm just not i'd prefer to just get on with that but that's one that as soon as i got the the word on it i was like that's great and then huge amounts of fear and panic of it's a bigger role it's a huge thing there's a lot of responsibility i'm being given a lot of respect for very little proof if that makes a sense so yeah there's loads of that and and with the beat down as well similar to the not thinking things through as i, I said on my number one one were they going out and performing live it wasn't until there were articles about how great it is of xfm to give a show to a guy with a stutter perfectly on cue there that i thought oh yeah i've got a stutter and i'm meant to be presenting a show (laughs) 
that's that's really awkward. I just hadn't thought about it. I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm busy, I'm doing other stuff. And yeah, it was Eddie's persistence. And then Eddie uh, went on to, to define distraction pieces in many ways. The episode with Eddie was one of the ones that still to this day gets re- referenced. I'll say the Eddie episode and the Gail Porter episode are responsible for so many people having the comfort to feel open about mental health. And they were recorded at a time when it wasn't as much of a, a buzzword and a, a a regular thing. And it's positive. That's not me being hipster or saying we did it before it was cool, but it's positive that it's a more open thing now. But the openness yeah. that Eddie had on that episode about his mental health issues and his uh, suicide attempt, essentially, was... It defined the podcast. It defined what, the, the variation of what distraction pieces would, would would go on to be from the ridiculous in the drunk cast to the incredibly serious and and eye-openings. So, so, yeah, if Eddie hadn't pushed me then and then it'd been the catalyst for everything else, like the first load of distraction pieces I've recorded in XFM Studios, even though I wasn't there anymore because I'd got on with them all, they'd said, just, yeah, just have a studio anytime you want. So, yeah. That's my number think, one. That's lovely. All he could do is influence you, but it was you who had to make the decision. Yeah, and you yeah. did. And look at it. Yeah. Look what happened. It's a fine old message. Well, there we go. Uh, I mean, haven't we been lovely to each other f- for a long time? Been way uh, too nice uh, for each other. <clears throat> we'll, we'll change that now. I was going to say, let's wrap things up there and then go and record a hardcore listing where we can just be mm-hmm. appalling to each other. But again... To end it, just huge congratulations on, on getting to a million. As said, that's an amazing number, and it's in no way a given when you start off on anything like this. As we've seen in lockdown, there's been a lot of podcasts that that have started and finished w- w- within the period of, of lockdown, and we've seen it over the years of many podcasts. So your guys can persistence and cons- consistency in, in delivering a week after week from the utter nonsense to the, g- the g- g- genuine uh, heart-wrenching is is to be applauded. And everyone can go Thanks, and listen bro. to Hardcore Listen and w- watch the video of this on your Patreon and so on and so forth. And just quickly, whilst we was having this conversation, um, an email has come through for me and Chris. Um, there is a box on its way to my house which has... Um, the hardcore listing uh, vinyl project, oh, amazing yeah. uh, in it. There's, there, he said, there's a box there. There's one for Pip, and there's one for Robin, and, and obviously uh, there's some for us. Love it. Um, and yeah, and that's uh, going to be our first vinyl release, which is a uh, top five with uh, our mutual friend DJ Yoda. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and and uh, our side other side art, pre- side yeah. art project with uh, Riker, the street yeah. artist. Yeah. You see a incredible. nice piece of Riker artwork behind you now, Pip. Yeah. Yeah. On my wall. Uh, and, and so oh, yeah, so that'll be that'll be coming out very soon. Yeah, that's hugely exciting. How exciting is that, Stu? From having that now, nineteen eighty two. Now that's what I call music vinyl. To having some some vinyl of your own of a fucking podcast. I've never in a million years ever tried to get a shameless plug in for something at the end of someone else's podcast, but I can't tell you how excited I am after spending. 13 years in bands and never once getting anything out on vinyl, I finally got something out on vinyl. And I can't uh, say how excited I am that you had to do that with me. (laughs) (laughs) Look at all the talented people he's been in bands with. None of them got him to the heights 
that Chris has dragged him to. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, yeah, let's go and record a hardcore listen. Is this going to be a Patreon episode or a regular episode? A regular. You know, a regular. So you'll be able to go and continue this on hardcore listen at some point. Um, we thought it was only right for it to be a regular one because you was on our first episode. Yeah, one. that's perfect. Well, thank you very much, gents. Let's go and record more. Cheers, Pip. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was part two. That was our celebration of Hardcore Listing reaching a million downloads, which is just mind-blowing considering what bellends they are. Um, if you are new to their podcast, go and have a listen. Just... Oh, I've got a stutter. Browse either the guests or the top five subjects... And there will be something that appeals to you and you'll have a hell of a wonderful time. So, yeah, go and do all that. Um, I'll be back next week. Loads of good guests coming up and loads of good episodes on their way. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Ta-ta. Oh, I'm now in my living room, FYI. Bye.